Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And in Romans chapter 3, verse number 21, if we can look at that real quick, we see that the source is, but now the righteousness of God. God is the source. And then we see the relation of God's righteousness to the law. Watch what it says. Without the law. That means it's apart from the law. But not only that, watch what it says next in verse 21, being witnessed by the law. We already preached through that. It's apart from the law, but it's not contrary to the law. And then look at verse number two, two by way of review. The life-saving characteristic of God's righteousness. Watch this in Romans 3.22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. It's conditioned upon our belief in him. And who is it extended to? Upon all them that believe. For there is no difference and why is it extended to all i kind of just gave you the answer because there's no difference verse 23 for all have sin there's no difference in any of us no matter what our upbringing is no matter what our religious background is it, it doesn't make a difference because we've all sinned None of us can look to anybody but the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of the righteous of, of righteousness. It's God's righteousness imputed to us. Now, number two, let's do a quick review of how God's righteousness is bestowed upon us. Look at verse 24, being justified freely. So it's caused by his grace. And by what means? Look at it. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And, and we preached on that. So it's bestowed freely. Do we play any part in it at all? No. He bestows it to us by his grace. Through the redemption is in Christ Jesus. Now. Why righteousness by blood? Read the next verse. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Why does that have to be by blood? Watch. To declare. Verse 26. We're going to park on this morning. I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that which believeth in Jesus. Why righteousness by blood? That he might be just and the justifier. That's why it's got to be by blood. Now go to Isaiah 53. That was our brief introduction by way of review.
we would think that the greatest opposition to the cross would be the pagan world. And granted, it is an opposition to the cross. I think that's a given. I think we all obviously would understand that. But truly, the greatest opposition to the cross is the religious world. What do we see back in Romans chapter 2? The Jew is boasting. And Paul's got to straighten them out. Why? I'm a Jew. I've got a religion. I've got this. I've got that. I, 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 I. That was Satan's fault. Lucifer's fault. It was, I will ascend. I will exalt myself. I will be like. I'm telling you, religion is the greatest opposition to the cross. And you could say that Christ's death on the cross, you could call it the greatest crime of all time. I mean, he was the only man that lived, that died, that did not deserve to die. All of us, we deserve to die because of our sin. But God's got a holy, he's got a righteous, he has an all-sufficient purpose behind why he died on the cross. Watch what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Well, thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Why did it please the Lord? Why did it please the Lord to bruise him? Because a sacrifice was made for sin. A blood sacrifice put on public display. Look at verse number four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's no difference. We've all sinned. That's God's all-sufficient purpose. You've got the effects of Christ's sacrifice on that cross. It's divine righteousness that is on display publicly. Back in Genesis, when God flooded the earth, that was God's judgment on people, wasn't it? Wicked people, sinful people that deserved it. God's wrath came down. His judgment came down. In Genesis 19, God rained down brimstone and fire from heaven on a wicked people as part of judgment and destroyed those people. The plagues in Egypt. Judgment on Pharaoh and Pharaoh's servants and the people. And we see that all of God's judgment. You know what that is? That's him working some stuff out on people that live down here on earth. But it wasn't until the cross of Jesus Christ. Where Christ, God's only begotten son, 
was made a public display for all of sin, and he didn't deserve any of it. He was the only one who lived a righteous, sinless life. Yet God pours out what was owed us onto the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you this morning, now's a good time to shout amen and hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. That's why it says in Romans 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Is that you this morning? Your name's written in the Bible. You're under all. <laughs> I mean, he died for you. Why? That he might be just, verse Romans 3, 26, that he might be just and the justifier. If God just forgave sinners, how many of you have heard this? Well, God is just a forgiving God. He's going to forgive everybody. Have you, anybody ever heard that one? He's just forgiving. He's going to forgive everybody. Well, the only problem with that is that by default, that thinking by default would mean what would be abandoned? You just throw justice right out the window. Justice would be abandoned. And so we don't think like that. And I don't mean we, I just mean our culture, this world. It doesn't think like that when a crime has been done to them. The crime has been done to you or to me, guess what we want? Justice. But all of a sudden, the thinking changes when it comes to our creator, God. He can't just, just forgive everybody. If he did that. He would abandon his character of being a just God and he would cease to be just and by default would not be able to be the justifier. That makes sense? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Matter of fact, all laws would cease to bring forth any terror of guilt and any consequences by default would then be null and void. I mean, there's no consequences for anything. Everybody just do what they want. Now, tell me we aren't seeing that play out in our world today. We certainly are. People can seem to understand that God would be just in punishing sinners. People can even be okay or seem to understand that God would be merciful if he pardoned sinners. I think people can understand that if they really stop and think. The hard part is. Understanding that God would be just in justifying a sinner. Think about that for a minute. Okay, mercy says we'll pardon. But you're going to justify the sinner? And you're going to be called just for doing it? You got to admit, that's a little tough to wrap your head around. Romans 3, 25, let's read that. I think that'll give us some context for that thought. Romans 3, 25, I lost my spot. Let me get there. It says, for, uh, Romans 3, 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood 
to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. But he knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God. How can he be? How can he be called just and still justify someone that's unjust? How can he be called be just and the justifier? He was made to be sin for us. He knew no sin. And we were made the righteousness of God. That mean, you know what that means? Justice was not abandoned. Jesus Christ, completely just. Justice has, has been served. And the one that knew no sin. Now that's the love of God. Became sin for you and for me. Go to Matthew 26. And I don't know if any of you have read Martyr's Mirror or Fox's Book of Martyrs. Or if you have the subscription to Voice of Martyrs. But if you haven't read any of those books or have a subscription to the Voice of Martyrs. I would ask you to consider reading it. Matthew 26, and, and, and I'll tell you why. Get Matthew 26, verse 39. Matthew 26, verse 39. All right, Matthew 26, verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. This is Jesus. And now Jesus says, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Last verse. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. What's in the cup? Those martyrs and those publications I just mentioned, they died for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were stoned. Some of them were burned at the stake. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were imprisoned. And beaten. How would they do that? Do you think that they had their faith and trust that their suffering or somehow their martyrdom would save them? What's in the cup? What is in the cup is why they went through what they did. You know why many, why many Christians are what what we would term in Christianity sold out for God? You know why they won't do hardly anything for God? They don't know what's in the cup. You know why after D T TV and after dinner the, the TV goes on 
and the internet goes on and the social media goes on and that happens from six to nine until everybody goes to sleep and you know why the bible isn't cracked open and family devotions are read and family time isn't important anymore you know why they don't know what's in the cup i don't think most christians know what was in the cup those martyrs knew that's why they live the way that they live People that go out and witness and people that try to tell their neighbor about Jesus and people that try to encourage their friends and family to come to church and people that want to talk to lost people about their soul's condition for eternity. I think they know what's in the cup. That's not the most ironic thing about all these martyrs. You know what the most ironic thing is? They're praying through it. They're singing through it. They're counting it a joy to suffer for the Savior. Who in the world would sign up for anything like that? Nobody would. But if you have to go through it, the only way you're going to get joy is by knowing what's in the cup. John 3, 16. God so loved the world, and he does. Except not outside of Psalm 5 that says, Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. God loves and God hates. What's in the cup helps you understand those verses. Well, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. Really? What is he going to drop your sin into hell and have a little picnic with you? No, he's not. God hates the sinner. Well, that's so mean. That's so unloving. No, it isn't. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's true. But Psalm 5 is also true. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Is that what the Bible says in Psalm 5? God says, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Have you worked iniquity? You're going to go to God and put your sin in, in a little cup over here and say, God, that's me, but I'm good. You can't separate the sinner from sin. God hates both. And he loved you enough to send his son to die for you. It makes sense when you know what's in the cup. Isaiah 53, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It says, He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What's in the cup? The wrath of Almighty God. And you know how he could be just in the justifier? Because he drank the cup of wrath that was due to be bestowed on you and on me. The wrath of almighty God. And God hates iniquity and he hates sin. But he loved you so much that he sent his son. And he hates sin so much. You fathers think about pouring wrath out on your son. Mommies and daddies all across America will defend their little boy. They'll defend their son. If an injustice is put upon. It pleased the Lord 
it pleased the Lord. And he poured out his wrath on his only begotten son. And no father would ever think of doing that to his own son if he was innocent. But God did. It was the wrath of God that was in that cup. You know what happened here in 2020? The tornado came through. And when that tornado came through, it ripped homes apart. I think 24 lives, innocent lives were lost. You know what had happened? Like two o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there. You know what I was doing? You know what you were doing? Sleeping. In Matthew 26, you know what the disciples are doing? God's talking about what's in the cup. Is it going to pass from me, Lord? You know what the disciples are doing? Sleeping. Did they know what was in the cup? Did you know the wrath of the tornado was going to come? I didn't. My phone was off. You know what woke me up? The sirens that were being rung by all of the fire departments. <clears throat> we ran downstairs, got the kids. As we awoke out of sleep and the wrath of that tornado is ripping through. They say the worst tornado in history was in Bangladesh on April 26, 1989. They said every home within two and a half miles was completely obliterated. For two and a half miles, it was everything was taken off the map. There were no signs of any standing infrastructures. Approximately 80,000 people like that were left homeless. 12,000 people were injured. 1,300 people died. Many of them never found. Because the wrath of that tornado ripped through all of a sudden. And God's going to stand. You're going to stand before God without knowing him. And in judgment, he's going to say, I never knew you. You will be erased and wiped out from God's mind. He will not know your name. If you do not know him as Savior. And his judgment pours out on you. There's a point where the tornado stops. All of us are here this morning, and so we are part of being on the other point side. <laughs> we were on the point where it stopped. In Bangladesh in 1989, that 2.5 mile radius, well, there was a point when that stopped, and that wrath ceased no more. 
Imagine being the person in the house that is at 2.6 miles. And they see the wrath of God coming. They see the tornado coming. And all of a sudden, there's a stopping point. And I gave away the point a little bit. The wrath of God has a stopping point. And that stopping point is what is found in the cup. The wrath of God stops at the cross. And Jesus Christ, the wrath do you because of your sin, because of your iniquity, because the pride of your heart. Because of your faith in your religion. Jesus Christ drank the wrath owed you and I. And he can be rightfully called the just and the justified. Because justice was not abandoned. Praise his holy name. That's why martyrs can suffer the death that they suffer. That's why you and I can have the strength and the power to live for God, to fight for God, because we are not fighting on our own strength. We have our strength in the living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will empower us to go through all the trials this life has to offer. If you really think that the only solution to this thing is Jesus Christ, then what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing Tuesday? What are we doing Wednesday? What are we doing Thursday? Trying to be the next self-made millionaire? Trying to be the next self-sufficient man without God's all-sufficiency? I'm not telling you don't create your little rainwater setups and all that and I'm not telling you to not be prepared. I'm not telling you to abandon your garden. I'm asking you, where's your sufficiency? God drank your wrath. And he can be rightfully called the just and the justifier because he's not abandoned justice. He's taken the wrath owed you upon his body on the tree. Praise his holy name. The disciples are asleep. Are you asleep? Do you really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? Let's see. Let's see if we do. Okay, let's do this. After church, all of us will go down to the Golden Corral. Okay? But we're not going to get in line and we're not going to get a nice plate and platter. We're going to go back. And see the DMO guy. That's restaurant talk for dish machine operator. <laughs> the guy working DMO, well, it's politically correct because you don't want to tell, you don't want to say that anybody's a, you know, a dishwasher. So you got to give him a title, you know, <laughs> dish machine operator. We're going to go back there and we're going to ask them, hey, give us all the dirty cups. We're going to use those dirty cups. And we are going to drink out of those cups. Yeah, really. And you know what all the mamas are thinking? I'm not sending my kid to that trip. And you know what all the dads are thinking? 
I don't really think that's a good idea, but maybe little Johnny needs to toughen up. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're thinking, not a one of us would be excited about us or our children drinking out of any of those cups that have been used and abused by the people that have been at the Golden Corral. <laughs> Nobody would be excited about that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to turn to your mom and you're going to say, Mom, do we have to? Because you don't want to drink with, you don't want to drink out of that cup. And some of you that have never done dishes because you have the technology of a dishwasher, you're going to say, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to clean that. It's going to be too much work. And you know what the prayer is going to be? You know what the prayer is going to be? Please, Lord, let the let, let the dish machine operator put it in the dishwasher so it comes out clean and we can all see it's clean. And then I can feel good about giving it to little Susie. And little Susie would be super happy because it'll be a nice, clean cup. That is not what God thought. When he poured out the cup of his wrath on his son, there was no cleaning the cup. There was no washing the cup. There was no dishwasher to make it all so nice. No, it was sin. It was the wrath of God and a dirty cup. You know why? Because you drank out of it. And I drank out of it. And it's my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world. There's no cleaning the cup. There is no cleaning it. You would be insulted if I took your child down to the restaurant, have them drink out of a dirty cup, and they came home and told you about it. You'd be upset. There'd be a church split over that. The preacher made the children drink out of dirty cups. Christ drank your cup. Oh, you. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to get your feet dirty. Now, I'm not saying it dogmatically or literally, so any of you kids that are going to try to flip the tables and use this story in your parents to go first. <laughs> Christ. Justice one is, wasn't abandoned. Christ took upon himself what was owed you. And God's righteousness is on full display. It's his wrath against sin in full view. He's working out the deliverance of the sinner. The only way for you and I to be delivered. If it was, if was a the wrath due us was poured out on him, and that he might be just and the justifier. Now you tell me, Psalm five, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. You tell me, Psalm five, does it pull together John three sixteen for God so loved the world? Because you gotta love somebody a whole lot to drink their dirty cup. And that's exactly what, what God the Son did. We're still in Isaiah 53. Stay in Romans 3 and Isaiah 53 and we'll, we'll close this out.
Isaiah 53, look at verse number 11. Oh, it's a great verse. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. So my righteous servant, there it is. Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Praise God. Hallelujah. He justified you. He bore your sin, and he can be called the just and the justifier. Praise his holy name. You know, throughout the Old Testament, the word most holy, you know what it's used in conjunction with? You run that phrase to the Old Testament. It's associated with offerings and sacrifices all throughout the Old Testament. Hebrews 10, you don't have to turn there. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's no more sacrifices that need to be made. The Bible says that every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never, never, never take away sins. But this man, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God and you know what it says in Jude 20 but ye beloved building up yourselves and you know what it calls the faith it calls it the most holy In the Old Testament, that phrase was run and associated with offerings and sacrifices. Yet in Jude 20, when we see it show up in the New Testament, you know what it calls our faith? Most holy. You know what our faith is in? Not all those Old Testament offerings and sacrifices. What Hebrews 10 says will never take away sin. It's referring to the one time sacrifice. And all we have to do is believe and receive. Well, doesn't that mean you can just, Christians, they just live any way they want? Really? Like you don't live any way you want anyway. <laughs> Everybody lives how they want. How do you get... God saves by his grace, and all you have to do is believe and receive to, well, that just gives Christians license to sin. Why would you want to sin if you know what was in the cup? I don't want to sin. Now, when I do, he's faithful and just. He'll cleanse me. I don't want to sin. Neither do you, right? Amen. It's the one for all one time for all sacrifice for sin and you know what that means we'll close with this it means that justice is satisfied and jesus christ can rightfully be called the just and the justified thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of pilgrim baptist church we look forward to seeing you in the next episode in the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.